Well, good morning again. Let's be real. The Christian life can be really tough. I think this is something that all of us know, but I don't think we really talk about it all that much um, and really acknowledge the fact amongst one another that actually it can be really, really difficult to follow Jesus at times. Um, but Jesus himself didn't shy away from it. He says in, um, in his, his Sermon on the Mount, these are the words of Jesus. He says, the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. Ouch. It's the way is hard that leads to life. And I don't know about you, but I, I often find myself thinking, does the Christian life, and maybe you even find yourself saying it out loud, does it have to be this hard? And I think this is especially true in lockdown. I don't know if you know the verse, but in the book of Hebrews, there's there's a verse that, that talks about the gathering of, of the church and being together as people. And it says, don't stop doing that because that's the place where you encourage one another and you build one another up. That's the place where you get strength to keep going in this journey. And so it then followed that, given that we can't do that at the moment, that we would be more weary and we'd be more discouraged and perhaps even starting to lose a bit of perspective on, on why am I following Jesus or what does following Jesus look like or what, what is this journey that I'm on? And so I'm calling today's message Called Forward. And we're going to look at, um, at the book of Philippians in the New Testament in chapter three. So if you've got a Bible, do turn there. And this is Paul's encouragement to this church in this place called Philippi um, shortly after Jesus's life and, and death and resurrection and ascension um, after the church has started. Uh, this is actually right at the end of the Apostle Paul's life. And it's, it's his encouragement to this church to keep going after Jesus. And it's, a, it's in this, we'll see some of Paul's reality of what the Christian life is, but also him providing a bit of a sense of perspective to them. But where we'll primar primarily spend our time is Paul wanting to deliver to this Philippian church just an absolute sense of certainty that they will be able to keep going right to the end. So let's get into it together. I hope the, the message, I think it's going to appear on the screen, looks like it's already there. We're going to read from verse 12 in chapter 3 together. I'm reading from the ESV translation. It says this, Paul's talking to the church, it says, Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Jesus Christ has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anyone, uh, anything, if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. And where Paul has um, has kind of begun this, uh, what he's the, the previous couple of verses are, uh, he is talking about all that he stands to gain and that we stand to gain in Christ Jesus. And it is absolutely classic Paul. He's talking about, oh, I've got the power of the resurrection. I've got intimate relationship and knowledge of Christ. I'm with him. I know him deeply. But right here at the beginning of verse twelve, he says, "Not that I have already obtained this, or, or am already perfect." What he's saying, and he's eager to point out right at the beginning to these Philippians, is he says, the fullness 
of all of the riches that we stand to gain in Christ, they don't just come as an immediate download, that there is a journey to go on in order to get hold of them in their fullness. And I think it's just worth us hearing that and receiving that once again, that in this, this age where many of us would just get frustrated if we go to watch a video on YouTube and there's about 12 seconds of adverts, we get impatient and we're just like, no. And we're, we're just so used to instantly being able to get hold of that which we want. That Paul's saying that's, that's just not how the Christian journey works. There is a journey to go on to receive it. And the picture that he paints in these verses is that of a race. Um, he's, he's saying the Christian life journey is, is like a race, one where there's a prize at the end, there's a goal. And in painting this picture, one thing that Paul wants us to see is that the Christian race, the Christian life journey, is often ugly. I don't know if you have ever seen the footage of Usain Bolt winning gold medal and breaking the world record at the Beijing Olympics, but it is something to behold. Because you're watching the fastest man that has ever lived, running the fastest race that has ever been raced. And the thing that stands out most about it is just how effortless it looks. That he is just, it just looks like he has been created for this very moment in time. That he is in the sweet spot of who he is meant to be. That he's just striding and almost like gliding towards the finish line. And Paul is saying the Christian life journey is nothing like that. He said, it's certainly not as, as quick as that. You're, you're not going to do the Christian life in 9.58 seconds. And it's definitely not as glamorous as that. With all of the crowd around and the screaming and the cheering. Notice the words that he uses in here. Twice we see him using the phrase, I, I press on and straining forward. That he's not saying I'm just going to explode out of the starting blocks and then I'm just going to gloriously power through the finish line. Just watch me go and keep up if you can, Philippian church. Now, what Paul is saying is that he's, he's saying that this is, this is going to look pretty unimpressive. I'm going to be drenched in sweat. I'm going to be just, you might think that I would be striding and gliding, but I will be stumbling and falling step after step in this Christian life race. And we might think, this is the Apostle Paul talking. This is perhaps the most impressive in many ways and the best example of, of the, the, the best Christian life that we could imagine. And but he's talking to the Philippian church here and what he's, he's, he's talking to a church that are, they're just beginning to have their heads turned. They're a church that have done really, really well, um, but they're just, there's some influences that have come in amongst them and they're, they're, they're just sort of sowing those seeds of discontent of if this really is the best life, if this life really is everything that Paul says it is, surely it must be easier. There must be an easier way to this life. But here Paul is saying, no, 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 this race is a race that is hard fought. A race where you've got to press on and strain forwards at times. There are going to be seasons that you go through where it just takes everything that you've got in the tank to just put one foot a tiny amount just in front of the other. And I just, I, I want to speak to you if, if you're finding the Christian life hard at the moment. It can be so tempting to think, well, I must be doing something wrong. 
I must not be in the Usain Bolt sweet spot if I'm if if this is how I'm finding it. But listen to what Paul says here. Look at how he describes it. No, no, no. If you're finding the Christian life hard, actually, that is there's a real chance that's a sign you're doing it right. That you are in the sweet spot. That this is you are following in the footsteps that Paul is describing here. And he helps us, I think, by then describing it as a race. That he says, or he's talking about pressing on and he's talking about straining. He's he's saying that this is a this is we are going on, that we are moving forward. That even though it might be ugly, it is in fact progress. He's saying this is what everyday progress in the Christian life actually often looks like. The wind is against you. You've got shin splints starting to to cause you agony. Your trainers that you just bought are starting to rub on your feet. This is what progress looks like. And he's saying this is, you are running this race. You are not on a treadmill. I think for us, for many of us, lockdown, I think treadmill is probably quite a good description of what life might feel like. And certainly following Jesus at this time can feel like. That for, for lots of us, every day will feel so similar. Every day feels like we're just going through the motions to get to the end of the day, to go to bed, to wake up, to do it all again. That if there's any time in life that feels like the treadmill life, it's lockdown for us. And it can be so easy to think, am I making any progress whatsoever in God? Is my life actually going anywhere? To just lose any sense of perspective of, of that this is actually part of something bigger and something greater. But Paul's saying, no, 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 you are not on a treadmill. However much it might feel like you are, this, these steps that you're making every single day, it is progress in the Christian life. One step closer. I think one of the ways that we can be very shaped as Christians today is that a lot of um, contemporary church culture that we might consume or see happens on places like Facebook and places like Instagram. And by their very nature, the things that we see there are the most shareable things. And the things that go viral and the things that, that are most we're most likely to think are the things that have been are the most shareable. And what can happen is as we consume that quite subconsciously, what we can start to think is that that progress in the Christian life, what it looks like is it's only really made up of powerful moments or exciting opportunities or, or, or intense moments of breakthrough that we see other people happening, uh, happening in other people's lives. And we can start to think that Progress only really happens if you're part of some big ministry or you've got some big story to be able to share. But again, what Paul is saying here is that actually most of the progress that we are going to see in our life as followers of Jesus isn't shareable stuff. No one's going to be sharing it on Facebook. No one will be retweeting it. Most of what it looks like to go on in this journey is not stuff that has any chance of going viral. He's saying progress is just every time you manage to summon up and rouse the strength to to just take one small step on in following him. Just think, I'm going to do it. My Bible reading plan says read Leviticus 4. I'm not really up for it, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to trust that God says that's my best. I, I don't really feel like praying, but I know it's the right thing. I know it's good for me. I know that getting some kind of relationship with God must 
build and strengthen me, even though I can't feel it, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna get myself up to my prayer room for just five minutes. I really wanna do that, that thing that I know I'm not meant to. I know no one else will see it. Oh, I'm gonna say no. I know God would have me say no, I'm gonna do it. Just one, each of these small steps, genuine, real progress to the end of the race. This is what the, the late Eugene Peterson um, called many times in his life, he called it long obedience in the same direction. I just love that. He even wrote a book of that title. Just to, that, that is how he describes the Christian discipleship journey, the race that we run as Christians. He says it is long obedience in the same direction, just pressing on, straining forward. Which is encouraging in itself, but actually it sounds like an impossible task, doesn't it? I mean, you, you listen to that, you think, this sounds like a hard race. And these words, pressing on, straining forward, they are exhausting words. I, mean, I just, I don't know if I've got the energy to be able to do that. I don't know if I've got the stamina. Like, surely at some point I will just fall flat on my face and I will not be able to do it. Have I really got what it takes to be able to go? I don't think I do. But actually in verse 12... Paul says exactly the same thing about himself. Let's listen to verse 12 again. Not that I have already obtained this, he's talking about the fullness of salvation, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Now this is a remarkable verse. What Paul is saying here is that he is able to press on, he's able to, to, to have the strength to keep going and the energy to go on only because Jesus Christ has got hold of his life. Only because Jesus has made him his own can he keep going. The other way of looking at it is that Paul is saying, look, if, if I was to just try and do this in my own strength, if I was drawing only from my own reserves, I'd be finished. There's no way I'd be able to go on. There's no way I'd be able to put one foot in front of the other. But because of Jesus, he says, I have everything I need. This is an, an idea that's worth going a bit deeper on. And Paul actually enhances it in verse 14, where he says this. He says, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God. In Christ Jesus. And again, he says something really similar, but in a slightly different way here. What he's now saying is that he's only able to, to do this, to, to press on, only able to, to have the energy to keep going in this race because Jesus Christ has called him into this race. And this word that Paul uses, called, is very much a loaded word for Paul. That whenever he uses this particular Greek word, He's only ever talking about the, the divine calling into being of something. Now, this is very, very different to if me and you were to try and call something. Uh, when I am down in the garden with my boys, Jackson and Calvin, and I, I say to them, oh, boys, come over, come, come and see your daddy, come, come and spend some time with me. They either listen to me or they don't. And to be honest, I have very, very little control or power. If they, if they decide they don't want to listen to me, there's not really much I can do about it. My words to my boys, even though they are quite small, they have no intrinsic power 
to be able to get them to do what it is that I might want them to do. But the words of Jesus are very, very different. The words of Jesus are what we would call performative. And what that, all that means is that it just means that they create what they name. So we say the word tree, all that I am able to do is maybe conjure up in your mind the idea and picture of what a tree might look like. But if Jesus says the word tree, he has the power for those words to just create in front of him a thing with a trunk and many, many leaves. That he just speaks it and it happens. And so it is that when he calls us, when he says, come to me, Kiana, his words have a very different power than if we were to say it to one another. That when he speaks and speaks that calling, he does something creative within us. He forms and shapes the ability and the very power to be able to respond. He speaks life into us that is able to say yes to his call. We see this in, um, in John chapter 11. Jesus has a friend, Lazarus, who has just died. And he, he's properly dead. He, he is in the tomb. He's been in the tomb for days. There's a smell starting to come out. It is not a pleasant thing. Jesus goes to the mouth of this tomb and all he does, all Jesus does, is he just cries into the tomb and says, Lazarus, come out. And after he speaks those words, this body that was dead is revived and comes out of the tomb. And you think, what was it that kept Lazarus in the tomb? Was it just he, he wasn't very motivated to come out? Was it that he had, there was some kind of intrinsic internal potential and power within him, but he just needed a, a good motivational speaker to help him unlock the power that was already there? No, of course not. The reason that this dead corpse of Lazarus did not come out was because it was lifeless. It didn't have the power, the strength and the life to walk out and be obedient to the words until Jesus spoke them and as he spoke them the life as he called out come out Lazarus life strength power went into that body to be able to say yes to the call of Jesus and so it is with us that when Jesus calls us when he says come and run this race when he invites us in his calling is it is far more than just an invitation. He's not just saying, oh yeah, come and do it and just let me know if you're going to respond so I've got numbers for snacks. No, when Jesus calls us, his calling is, is if you like, a, an active and empowering presence within us. It is not just words saying this would be good, it becomes something creative and real within us. But here we see for Paul, the call is, it's not just some psychological motivation for him, but the call of Jesus Christ is the very power that he needs to be able to keep going. This power to be able to run this Christian life, it was never meant to come from us. We were never meant to be powerful beings, but we are ones that are meant to receive the power from Jesus to be able to keep going. 
Paul is not saying to this Philippian church, come on, Philippians, you can do this. Just dig a little bit deeper. Just embrace the pain. You can do far more than you can ever believe or, or something else that a YouTube workout person might be shouting to a Philippi Philippian church. Now, Paul says to this church, Jesus has called you on. He has spoken his calling over you. Receive the power of that calling. Fear of failure is one of the most crippling, but also one of the most common fears that is out there. I just wonder, how would your life be different if you knew that you could not fail? Because that, again, is exactly what Paul is saying in verse 12 here, just to return to it. Let me just read the last part of it again. He says, I press on to make it my own, to finish this race, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. And this is a world-changing, world-breaking statement. Do you notice the sort of transfer of ownership thing that, that Paul is talking about there? It's that Christ Jesus has made me his own. But what Paul is saying here is he's not just saying I now have this presence and this power that is able to work in me to stop me from failing. He's saying there's actually something far deeper going on. What he's saying is he has been totally transferred out of the realm and the kingdom where failure and defeat is even able to happen. The place where failure and defeat happens, he has been taken out of. He's saying, look, I was on this very different race. I was running my own way. I was going this way. And yeah, there might have been times in the journey where it felt good. It felt like progress. It felt successful. It felt, it felt like everything you might want life to be. But the reality is the end point, whatever the journey was like, the end point was always going to be defeat and failure. But what he's saying now is that Jesus Christ has got hold of me and he's saying I have now been completely transferred over into a whole different domain, a whole different kingdom, a whole different place. He said Jesus took me off that track and he has now placed me on a completely different track and the only possible outcome, whatever the journey feels like, whatever it looks like on the way, the, literally the only thing that can happen to me now I am on this track is I can move into victory and success. That is the only thing that can happen to me and because that is the only path I'm in and Jesus Christ is continually calling me and breathing power into me, that is the only end point for my life. He's saying something completely and totally profound. Failure is something he has been taken out of and he's been placed into a successful life following Jesus Christ. In Hebrews chapter 12, Jesus is described as the author and the finisher of our faith. And what Paul is saying essentially in this is he is saying, the reason I know I'm going to win it's because this race has already been won. It's already been run and it's already been won. Jesus began this race. He's the author of it. And he has finished this race. He's the finisher. And so I can now have complete confidence 
in my victory because I am simply just participating in a race that has already happened. I am participating in Christ who has already won this race. Jesus Christ has pioneered this way, this path that I'm walking, the way from earth all the way into heaven, the end point of this race that I'm on. And I am simply just walking in his footsteps. That as I fix my eyes on him, as I see him, he is my guarantee that I am going to finish this. He has made me his own. He set me on this track and he is going to carry me right through, empowering me by his call. I really hope that, that this is kind of making sense and sinking into you. I can't see your face. I can't see if you're nodding along. I can't see if your face is blank. But this is profound stuff that Paul is talking about, that we, as we follow Jesus, we just cannot fail in him now. Success and victory is guaranteed in him, however we might feel. And he will give us the power to see it through. And it's knowing this, it's knowing this and having all of this inside of him and having got hold of it in his heart, that is then, then leads Paul to be able to say, in that case, I can press on. In that case, I can keep going. I can strain forward. It's going to be hard. It's going to cost me. It's going to be difficult. But I know, I just know at the end is victory and success and that I'm going to win. And the thing is, in Paul's life at the moment, as he writes this, there are all sorts of signs of failure. There are all sorts of signs that he, his life is not going on the path to victory. He's currently in house arrest, which isn't actually unlike where we find ourselves in right now. And he probably knows that he is about to be executed for following Jesus. And his life story so far is countless persecutions and trials and difficulties for having been obedient to the calling and having run this race, marked with Ample evidence, if you want to see it that way, of this is not the path to victory. And yet, despite that, his whole world has been changed. He knows he's been transferred out of defeat and failure into a man of victory and success in Christ. And so he says, I'm going to keep going because I know where this ends. And I just wonder for us, for you perhaps today, Maybe this is another moment to, for you to say, actually, I know that there are many signs in my life of defeat. I know that I am struggling. I know that there are many things that I could look to and think, this looks like I'm not on the path to victory at all. This looks like I'm losing. There are many things that seem to be coming against you. Many things that are causing temptation to, maybe I'll, I'll pack this in. My job situation is not too good or relationships are breaking down. The loneliness is, is, is crippling. You think, I just don't know if I can keep going. Or maybe you just didn't really realise, but actually from having he he heard some of this, you think, I actually think some of my energy to keep going after Jesus is flagging. But maybe today is just a moment for you to say, you know what, I'm going to press on. I'm going to strain forward. I'm going to go again after Jesus. That I, I could look at the stuff that's going on in my life. I could take that as evidence that maybe things aren't working out. But, but I look at Paul's life. I look at Jesus's life and I see that is not how this works. 
that it is through those things and through the hardship that I achieve the victory and I win with Jesus. And so I'm going to keep going. I know Jesus has made me his own. I know he's got hold of me. I know he set me on this track where I can only win if I follow it. And I'm going to see it right through. I'm going to keep going like I've never gone before. Maybe this is a day for you to just say once again, I'm going to press on. I'm going to strain forward. And finally, I just think that this is an image for us to, to hear as a church as well, as Revelation Church. That God has called us. He has spoken us into being. His words are creative. His words are performative. Yet because he's called us, because he's our author, he's also our finisher. He set us on as a people on the track to victory in Manchester. That he's called us to, to run a unique race in this city alongside all of the other churches. And it would be completely against his nature. It would violate his very self to just leave us huffing and puffing halfway down the track. That it can be easy to look at lockdown and Zoom church and just think, oh, this is just discouraging. Is this really what victory looks like? As we keep looking to him and following him, he will show us as we impact lives, as we see people saved, as we're able to reach out and see communities change in his name. He'll show us that it's through these difficulties that we do start to see and start to experience the victory that he has set us on and he will see us through to the end. And it's this image of the gathered church that that Paul ends with or that we'll end with in verse 17. Let me just read it again. Brothers, join in imitating me in running this race and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Paul is saying here, come and run with me, Philippian church. He's saying, let's, let's run this race together. This is not something we're meant to run on our own in separate lanes. This is something that we run as a people. But I think that he's trying to conjure up for us this image of us all on this big running track as Revelation Church, just running together as one. I love how he says, keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example of you having us. He's saying, keep your eyes on each other. You might think he's going to say, keep your eyes on Jesus as you run side by side. But he's saying, no, look at each other. He's saying you need one another in order to keep going, in order to run this race. That as we see this picture of us all running together towards Jesus, not in competition with one another, but but, but spurring one another on. He's saying there will be times where we find it really hard, where we're tempted to give in, where we're finding the frustration and the, it feels like lack of progress. He's saying in that time, look to your right, look to your left. You'll see someone and you think, I know, I know what they've been through in their life. I know the, the difficulty they had to work through three years ago. That's something like what I'm facing now. And yet look at them now. Look at how they are, they are going after Jesus. If that's them three years down the line, maybe I could look like that. Or look to your left and, and see that person that actually they're struggling with something that's it's not really like what I'm going through, but it sounds really tough. And yet I know that they're continuing to find strength and help in God. Maybe in my situation I could, I could find the same. So look to each other. Get strength in me from one another. 
I loved, that's why I've loved hearing these different testimonies. It's great to hear Kiana today. We've heard from many different people. It just does something in you, doesn't it? It just strengthens your resolve of, oh, if God can work in them, he can also surely work in me in, in, in maybe a different way. But it gives me faith. And I'm really excited for these next five weeks that we have. Um, we'll have five different people speaking in this slot and sharing something uh, kind of testimonial, something of what God has done in them or put in them of, of this is what God has, has worked in me. That we'll get to once again be encouraged and strengthened by, wow, look at what God is doing amongst us as a family, even whilst we can't be together. And so Revelation Church, let's keep running this race together. It's, it is hard right now. Like maybe you're feeling low in energy. Maybe you're struggling to really see the perspective and see this as progress and as a, as a journey rather than a treadmill. Online church is undoubtedly difficult. It takes much more effort and we get less from it if you, if you want to put it in those terms. Relationship is harder. It just takes more to try and connect with one another, more intentionality. It's, across the board, it's more challenging. But let's keep running, not just individually, but let's keep running together. Let's know that we need other people. We need to be able to look to one another, to draw from one another's experiences and encounters with God. And also other people need us. That as we share or as we are just, just there in the Zoom call, that actually there is strength and encouragement that other people are getting just from us being there. And Paul is just, just very clear here, I think, that this is not a race that we can run alone. That to run this race well with God, we, we need to be somewhere relationally rich, somewhere that is where we're connected in a community. We need to be in a church. And so I just want to speak to you, if you're between churches right now, or you're not quite actively in the church family, or you're, you're not quite one thing or the other, I just say we would love to have you join us as we run this race together. Come on the track with us. Come and stand with us as we go after Jesus together. Come and be encouraged and strengthened by us. Come and be an encouragement and a strength to us. We would love to have you about. And maybe a first step for you would be to fill in one of our connect forms that you can find in the chat. Just click on that, fill in your details, send that over. We would love to be able to stay in touch, uh, begin the conversation of what it might look like for you to, to, to be part of our community as we run together. Or stick around in just a minute. We're, we'll be having small little chats um, after our meeting, just a chance to catch up and, and of course welcome new faces. We would really love for you to stick around so we can say hello to you. The picture that Paul paints here of a, a race as a Christian life is, I just think it's vivid in how real it is. It's real in the, the ugliness that this race often entails and the hard work that it takes to keep following Jesus at times. But it is also very real, even more real, in how certain the victory is as we go after Jesus. That he has got hold of us, he's made us his own, and he has set us on this path where we cannot help but win as we go after him, as we pursue this goal. We can't help but win individually, we can't help but win as a church family, and he is empowering us by his call every day, every moment, every second to see this right through to the end. And what we're going to do in a moment is I want to create a moment in, in the spirit just to, to respond to this. 
that for each of us, and perhaps for some people significantly, just to say, actually, no, I'm going to press on in this journey. There have been challenges and there have been trials, but I'm going to keep going. And so what we're going to do now is Rob's going to lead us in just a, a short part of a song, and then I'll be back, and I just want to create a moment for us to respond. I think it could be a really powerful moment for some of us. So let's sing, and then we'll go on from there. <laughs> 